welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Today we're starting um, on Tradition 10. And um, what I'm going to do first is I'm going to read the short form out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that is on page 562 in the fourth edition. And Tradition 10 says, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. And then the long form, which I dearly love, which conveys a lot of our history, uh, that's on page 565. And it says, No AA group or member should ever, in such a way as to implicate AA, express any opinion on outside controversial issues particularly those of politics, alcohol reform, or sectarian religion. The Alcoholics Anonymous groups oppose no one. Concerning such matters, they can express no views, whatever. And um, from there, in that this tradition, as we shall see, going through some of this, I'm going to move into the uh, A.A. Comes of Age book, and on, we'll start, I'm going to start on page 123 and just kind of go through this and hit some highlights and uh, some experience with some of these things. Um, <clears throat> it says here that at the begin, Alcoholics Anonymous never has been divided by a major controversial issue. Our fellowship never has taken sides publicly or any on any question in this embattled world. This has been no earned virtue. It could almost be said that we were born with it. For as one old timer recently declared, practically never have I heard a heated religious, political, or reform argument among AA members. So long as we don't argue these matters privately, it's essentially never shall argue them publicly. <clears throat> and my experience has been exactly that. The old timers, when I came in, they just wouldn't put up with that stuff coming in and starting to talk about politics or anything else or or uh, beating up on treatment centers or uh, doing anything of the like. Uh, they just said that's none of our business and we don't do that here. Here we talked about recovery and we talked about Alcoholics Anonymous and the, and the recovery program. And I know that this tradition carries over into many other fellowships that have adopted these traditions and it saves us. It saves us from just getting embattled in such things that would, that would tear us apart. Because as individuals within AA, we all had different views on many things, and uh, boy, I think they could just get in there and rip us apart. And uh, I'm so glad for that. And uh, that's one thing that we do. I know, particularly at my home group, um, just one of the many groups um, that we do encourage this, that we don't get into that stuff, and we don't talk about it either in our sharing um, before or after the meetings inside that room. We just don't get into that stuff. It saves us a lot of uh, heartache. Um, <clears throat> on the, that was on page 123 in AA Comes of Age. Um, it, it, it also says right below that, it says, As by some deep instinct, we have known from the very beginning that no matter what the provocation, we must never publicly take sides as AAs in any fight, even a worthy one. All history affords us the spectacle of striving nations and groups finally torn asunder because... They were designed for or tempted into controversy. Others fell apart because of sheer self-righteousness while trying to force upon mankind one some millennium of their own specification. In our own times, we have seen millions die in political and economic wars, often spurred by religious and racial differences. We live in the imminent possibility of a fresh holocaust to determine how men shall be governed and how the products of nature and toil shall be divided among them. And with that, um, well, there's only one sentence left. That is the spiritual climate in which AA was born, and by God's grace has flourished nevertheless. 
And as we can see, from the time this book was written till now, things haven't changed a lot on the outside, but inside, within our fellowships, uh, within AA and within the other fellowships that have adopted these traditions, we can maintain a climate where people can get well. And I think that's one of the most important things that we do when we take on a, um, like in AA, when we say that we're going to put on an AA meeting, and we have every responsibility to put on a, a very good AA meeting and provide a safe haven for those people coming through the door to get sober and stay sober. And I know it's the same thing in the other fellowships. It's, it's a responsibility to provide that safe haven for for people to come in and get well. And we don't let people prey on them or, or cause them problems just because they're there, their age, their sex, their race, whatever. Everybody's equal. And I love that about AA. It, uh, it has helped me so much to learn so much about myself when we had to start living this, uh, living these principles. Um, but one of the things that I know that it talks about in here is that, uh, we don't have, we still have controversy within our fellowship and we do it usually on the floor at district meetings, at group business meetings, at area assemblies and at the general service conference. And other fellowships at whatever place they meet um, and have their discussions about the program and about different things that they're planning to do. And sometimes these can become, shall we say, spirited debates. And that's because of this tradition and not getting into those big things. That's part of what taught me of how to play in the sandbox with all the other kids. I did not know how to do that. I would try to overwhelm people and and bluster my way through and, and make them say what I wanted to hear, not what they wanted to say. And this is one of the traditions that has helped me stay away from that and um, helps expand the spirit that this program uh, has given me and the principles that it has given all, us all um, on how to live with others and how to get along and how to work towards compromise and doing things together. This one, however does not call for any compromise on the one issue that we just we just don't uh, we just don't get into those issues out there at all as, as AA as individuals we can but we have to be very 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 clear on how we do that we don't stand outside the AA rooms standing right outside the door to start blasting about that stuff in, in loud vulgar language we don't do that in any other fellowship we need to really be careful where we do this stuff if we're going to participate in the those debates on other issues, we have to be well away from whatever fellowship we're serving so that we don't uh, bring that in on it. One of the great teachers is on the bottom of page 124 in the AA Comes of Age, and it was the Washingtonian Society. And that last sentence started... Uh, Bob, about, I think, uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, make a comment and ask uh, a question at this point. And that is with regard to the Cleveland clarification, which is about the uh, defining the marriage relationship. And I think that a lot of the fellowship regards this as an outside issue that somehow made it, you know, about it right now. Right? Yes. Yes, I. And, you know, when the this was not an issue when it was brought up uh, as far as the fellowship was concerned because no states at that time, I think, had any same-sex marriage but um, or had laws enacting uh, or approving same-sex marriage. And when the survey was sent out to all the groups, uh, querying them as to whether or not this was an issue. It came back, 70% said it wasn't an issue, 30% said it was an issue. And yet despite the overwhelming majority of the groups stating that it wasn't an issue, uh, the GDA came in and enacted the Cleveland clarification, and now we have an issue. And I'm somewhat, you know, confused and perplexed by this, it uh, is something that continues to be brought up, and I just uh, am wondering 
how this fits into our tenth tradition. So I'm going to shut up. Okay, thanks, Robert. <clears throat> yeah, that is a, that can be a very, very uh, touchy issue. It could be a very divisive issue within a fellowship like SA. And for those who don't understand what that is, um, I'd have to grab out my white book here right quick. I just read it the other day, but I hate to quote things when I don't. I want to quote them specifically, but it was that a marriage between um, uh, a man and a woman is basically what it said. And that's... Um, <clears throat> that was what the issue came down to, and that's what the issue is at time to time right now. And all I know is what the traditions have taught me and how to handle a, a situation like this. And this is something that's going to have to be handled by SA itself internally. It's going to have to be within the the, the uh, service structure, and the groups have the voice. And when the groups start wanting to discuss this and decide what they're going to do, they're going to have to do this through the service structure and um, do this in a in a manner that doesn't cause uh, um, um, I won't say great turmoil, but it's going to cause some turmoil. And, but in dealing with it as uh, responsible members of SA <clears throat> and how to deal with this and find out what the, what the group conscience is and by that I mean an informed group conscience. It has to be an informed group conscience. And informed means that everybody is informed of all the issues on the table and that they have plenty of time in a given amount of time to research the information and come to a decision before they uh, come in and vote on that. Now, I know that with an Alcoholics Anonymous, um, <clears throat> in our uh service manual in the front, Bill states that uh, in, in our charter, when we first started, that they, they specified that the only time that a major, that there can be any change ever made to the traditions or the steps, it has to go through a, uh, it has to have a, everybody has to be informed within the fellowship, worldwide. And all of, the, all of them have to have opportunity to be informed of what's going to be up for, for vote and that they all have to be informed and have a, it's a in there it specifies a six-month period um, to get back to everybody. And um, what it does is it allows everybody a good chance to discuss the issue and find out what it's going to be, going to be about. Also, it also says that when they do, I'll just read this right out of the service manual um, so that I don't misquote it. <clears throat> it is understood that this is uh, a, a, one of our service manuals in AA, that neither the 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous nor the warranties of Article 12 of the Conference Charter shall ever be changed or amended by the General Service Conference except by first taking the consent, consent of the registered AA groups of the world. This would include all AA groups known to the general service offices around the world. These groups shall be suitably notified of any proposal for change and shall be allowed no less than six months for consideration thereof. And before any such conference action can be taken, there must first be received in writing within the time allotted the consent of at least three-quarters of all those registered groups who respond to such proposals. And also, the traditions were included in that in 1976. That was a, a note in that paragraph that I was reading, and that the traditions are also included in there. Yeah, or the, the concepts, excuse me. And what we, what I, this is one of the things that I think is very good, and it's, I always, I, for a long time in AA, I thought that you had to have three-quarters of the groups in the world vote for something. And it isn't what it said. It said all those responding. So you're relying on people who respond, too, to the situation. But it does give everybody a chance to be informed, informed of what's being proposed, and let all of the groups in the fellowship have a say-so, rather than just a few groups or a couple of people. I think that's so, very, that's when we did our... So when we did the survey and it came back, 70% said, 
you know, this isn't an issue, then how did that translate into them taking action on it? Because 70% of the group said, don't take action. What is the legitimate was allowed out to individual groups? And then to all of the groups. To all of the groups in SA at the time. All of the groups at the time, it was mailed out to them and they mailed back in their response. Correct. Okay. Now, I don't know exactly what all happened because I wasn't involved with SA at that time, uh, being a Class A trustee now. I just, and I don't know why they took that action at that time, but I know that it's there now and it's in the white book, which is actually not property of SA, is it? No, it is not mistaken. No, it is not. Is not owned by SA. And this this clarification, I've heard talk about it ever since I became a Class A trustee, and I've heard coming from different uh, people from different sides on it. And this is something that's going to have to be decided by the fellowship, not just a couple of people. And it has to be decided by the groups who are the voice according to the service structure, the upside-down pyramid. And everybody has to be informed and have to be given uh, adequate time to discuss it, what's on the table and what's going to be done. That, that's the only way that it can stay with that because now in this issue, particularly when we're talking about Tradition 10, we can, be, we can get into some outside issues really fast. And several of them have been, I've heard several of them talked about already uh, from people within SA. And I, I just think that one of the things that, that SA has to be very careful about is how they go about this. But when it starts coming up as an issue, uh, several times it, it'll more than likely have to be addressed. Um, but it's how they address it, that's going to be up to the to the fellowship of, of Psychologics Anonymous. And, um, and, it, and try to do it in such a manner as not to embroil the whole outside world with it. Just the Bob, fellowship. Bob, in Nashville? Yeah. I'm sorry, the um, computer dropped me off my call right when Robert started talking. And so I was not privy to everything that he spoke. But I believe, Robert, you're referring to the um, 1991 survey that went out to all of the groups. Is that correct? I uh, don't recall the year, but yes. Okay. It published, the results were published in March 1991 essay. Over 75% of the responding groups hold the traditional essay society. The Cleveland clarification, I believe it was in 1999, wherein 100% unanimous declaration by the delegates uh, was in support of the traditional essay sobriety. Uh, this went to the after of something that's going to be Am I correct in this, in this stuff? This is Bob. I don't have an answer for that. Um, I don't, because uh, I don't know what happened there. My understanding of the history around this issue, and it wasn't back there, the 10th traditional issue was according to what? So if we came down either side of this discussion, outside of what the fellowship had already decided, it would be uh, to voice an opinion on an outside issue. So I'm reading from the March 1991 essay that 75% of respondents called this traditional by um I learned the Cleveland clarification of uh, defining marriage between a man and a woman was made unanimously by the delegates at the level of the general delegates in the including. And uh, the statement by the General Delegate Assembly in February of 2010, in state uh, paragraph on page 2, it says, I'll be honest, pages 191 and 92, affirming the... Uh, to provide the definition. Does that, that still fulfill the requirement for a fellowship-wide uh, declaration of a statement? And if so, or if not, is there, is there room within this service uh, structure for continuous examination of this issue 
Well, from what I just read, out of AA Comes of Age, <clears throat> they left the art from that from my service manual. This is what Bill wrote about it, and they stated that there could be no change made unless they did they did um, contact all of the groups that they know about, that all of the general service offices know about, like your intergroup offices know about, and they would all have to be informed, and they'd have to be given six months to deliberate it, and then they would have to send in in writing what their what their uh, feelings were on this, and at least three-fourths of them, it doesn't say substantial unanimity, it says three-fourths of those responding need to need to be in, in concurrence to change such a thing. That means that the gate's always open to change things, but it's going to take quite, it's going to be quite a task to do. And I know that at this point in time right here, I'm very unqualified to be, uh, deciphering this. I just know that it is in the white book as such, and that has been accepted by SA as such. And so that's where it stands right now, and I think that to, what I really believe is that to do anything about it, it's going to need to go back through the service structure and be approached in that manner on a on a on a, um, on a fellowship-wide basis, not just in a couple of places. Uh, but that's how it starts out. <clears throat> but I think that it would have to move on because of the groups in a certain um, I, I keep getting a certain intergroup area bring this forth as a motion to uh, be considered. And I think that's how it would be changed. I know that if it keeps coming up and coming up all the time and it gets very divisive, it could be divisive to the fellowship itself. And um, that's all I can really say. I have no uh, I have no knowledge of all that stuff that went down. There's, there's a lot of people around that do. In fact, your archives probably had a lot of stuff on that, but I would highly recommend that you talk to your um, elected leaders that have some knowledge of all of this. Uh, myself, I've only been around for about a year and a half, and um, I've read up on this, and I've been talked. I've been I've talked to people about it because it's come up a few times. But as for the whole entire history of it, I don't know, and I would not. I don't feel that I'm in a place to render a decision one way or the other. My job, when I swore in as a trustee was to maintain and protect everything that SA had going right now. And so that's my job right now. And uh, in this discussion, I think we're we're bending off away from just studying about Tradition 10 into a into a dispute that's going on between some people within the fellowship. And I think that the traditions will point everybody towards the principles of, of making this decision or discussing it in a rational manner. Does that help? Yeah, and that is, you know, my intent for bringing this up is that I do see this as an ongoing issue, and it probably will be an area where we do need to apply the traditions to deal with it, or again, it will uh, it will split the fellowship. Yeah, I, well, I know in AA we haven't found sweeping anything under the rug to work. It just hasn't worked, and we've had to we've had to deal with some 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 bigger issues, and they were dealt with. And that's where we call upon God to guide us in our in our group conscience decisions, and group conscience being an informed group conscience, so everybody knows the pros and the cons, both, not just one side, so that they can make it you know a well informed decision on what they're going to have and. I think that the structure is set up for that, and the, the steps and the traditions help guide us to that. Okay. That makes for spirited discussion. Um, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to just, uh, shove you off, but I just, I don't feel qualified to, to be the person doing most of the talking about that, because I know that there's people out there that know a lot more about it, and I think this is something that the fellowship has to make a decision on. So my official stance on it is that's the way it is in the book, and that's the way it stands right now. And uh, if anything is to be changed, it's going to have to be through the fellowship worldwide. Um, so 
now we move on. We were just talking about the Washingtonian Society, and it says it was a movement among alcoholics which started in the Baltimore in the Baltimore century ago. Almost discovered the answer to alcoholism. At first, the society was composed entirely of alcoholics trying to help one another. The early members foresaw that they could, should dedicate themselves to this sole aim. In many respects, the Washingtonians were akin to AA. Their membership passed the 500,000 mark. Had they stuck to their one goal, they might have found the full answer. Instead, the Washingtonians permitted politicians and reformers, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, to use their society for their own purposes. Abolition of slavery, for example, was a historic political issue then. And many other items that came up, they got involved in, and they disappeared. They just wiped them out by getting involved in all kinds of outside issues. And that's the one thing that uh, our fellowships have learned is that's what this tradition is all about, is to stay out of that, not get involved in outside issues, and uh, uh, not not let them tear us apart and uh, and be and draw us into public controversy. That's what really can get into a, a huge huge thing. It means we we've made decisions like that in AA, I know, and uh, we have been guided. And the Washingtonians were great teachers to us. They really really helped us. Uh, and Bill was very. Bill and the, and the people who started this uh, and started AA were very cognizant of what happened to them and the fact that they collapsed. Um, so that that was just getting, that's how they got involved in outside issues. Today, there's many, many ways. Uh, there's a lot more treatment centers and a lot more uh, um, issues that come up from from people trying to treat or, or have different methods of handling uh, different the different uh, maladies that our different fellowships suffer from, and we can get caught up in those and start dragging them in. But I, one of the things that Dr. Bod said, and I think this still holds today, was in his last address. He said, "Let's not get all caught up in in uh, matters of of um, religion as we was in all in other things that might be, well, in all kinds of Freudian complexes and things that might be." of interest to the scientific mind is what he said. And that's where he was at. And and that's what he said. And I'll tell you, I think that is an outstanding thing because we can get into that issue on whichever malady for whichever fellowship and start dragging that in and start trying to have uh, <clears throat> statements from our fellowship or from groups saying what, what they believe in, what's, what would work and what won't by, by tying into that. And all the fellowship is about is reaching out and trying to help the still sufferer for whatever fellowship is there and carrying the message that we were given. And Alcoholics Anonymous, that's all we're charged with, is carrying this message to the alcoholic who still suffers and making sure that when they come to a meeting, that there is a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous there, not a meeting of, of some other description. And that's that's our charge. And that's what we've learned through all of these things is we need to stick to our, our task and not get involved in other things, especially when, uh, well, like today, just like it said in there, it can be so volatile and be so in such a political climate and things that are concerning things worldwide, and it's very easy to get caught up in that and drag it into the meetings or stand around outside the meetings before and after and uh, cause a lot of controversy and upset in, in the group, and it's just it can be very destructive. Um, one of the things I like here in the, in the A Comes of Age on page 124, in the middle of the book, it says, maybe this sounds as though the alcoholics in AA had suddenly gone peaceable and had become one great big happy family. Of course, this is not so at all. We are human beings and we squabble. Before we leveled off a bit, AA looked like some like one prodigious squabble, looked more like one prodigious squabble than anything else, at least on the surface. And and it says, and this is so true, this next sentence, a corporation director who had just voted a company expenditure of $100,000 would appear at an AA business meeting and blow his top over an outlay of $25 worth of needed postage stamps. And those things are the things that, that keep us all together is we have that, you know, we're all concerned in the same direction. And nobody within any one of the fellowships wants any one person to take over and start running it 
It's a it's a it's a fellowship wide thing, and it's the groups that run it. And that's why we need to keep the groups whole, and we do this by not getting involved in all these outside issues. Um, all over into one of the big things that really that really helped us was um, there was a fellow that uh, he was a lawyer out of Mississippi, and there was a committee that was charged uh, to to look at look at incorporating a, a making an incorporation and involving all the groups in the same corporation. And after a time, this is found on page 127 of AA Comes of Age, and this fellow put together a, a terrific statement, and I'll, I can just read you parts of it, but it, it really is what settled, settled us in on this. And uh, his name his, his Delegate Bob T, a Mississippi lawyer. Um, and this was his report he gave to the General Service Conference of Alcoholics Anonymous. We have reviewed all of the arguments pro and con on this subject, the subject being incorporation, and have discussed it with many members of AA within the conference and outside of it, and we have done, we've come to these conclusions. The evils which caused the question to arise have largely abated. Two, the congressional incorporation would create by law a power to govern which would be contrary to and violate our traditions. Three, would implement the spiritual force of AA with a legal power, which we believe would tend to weaken its spiritual strength. Four, when we ask for legal rights enforceable in courts of law, we, by the same act, subject ourselves to possible legal regulation. Five, we might well become endlessly entangled in litigation, which together with the incidental expense and publicity would seriously threaten our very existence. Six, incorporation of AA could conceivably become the opening wedge that might engender politics and a struggle for power within our own ranks. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, seven, continuously since its beginning and today, AA has been a fellowship and not an organization. Incorporation necessarily makes it an organization. Eight, we believe that spiritual faith and a way of life cannot be incorporated. And nine, AA can and will survive so long as it remains a spiritual faith and a way of life open to all men and women who suffer from alcoholism. Therefore, keeping in mind the high purpose of the General Service Conference, as expressed by the chairman last year when he said, we seek not compromise but certainty, your committee unanimously recommends that Alcoholics Anonymous not be incorporated. And I thought, I, I just love that. Because he wrapped that all up in a very unique, a very clear, concise package, and that and I know it still stands for AA today. That we have all kinds of groups out here, and we have areas that incorporate just for legal um, matters, and uh, some of those have even been questionable. <clears throat> but it's it's one of the things that keeps us whole is that we're all one, and we're not a legal entity, and we let our we let our our, uh, our friends recommend us rather than us trying to sell us to everybody. And this this uh, this tradition, especially keeping us out of all of this stuff, that gets to, is such a broil. And and even when we do end up in some things that can be be questionable. In fact, Alcoholics Anonymous is, is got some going right now itself, and and it starts coming down to the issue of. Um, if you're an alcoholic, you, you need to be an alcoholic to belong to Alcoholics Anonymous. Or you have to have a problem with alcohol and a desire to stop drinking. And, you know, those things seem to really um, set people uh, on end uh, when we have people coming into the meetings and stuff and it starts getting controversial. And we go back to the groups and we go back to the districts and the areas. We have conversations with the treatment centers. We don't try to tell them what to do. Whatever they do behind their doors is their business. Whatever we do behind our doors is our business. And we try to keep it as such. We try not to get into those huge arguments, but we try to stand on a tradition. And I believe all the fellowships are the same way that doing the same thing is by standing on those and not letting a few of us hotheads like me take off and start trying to run over everybody um, with these with other things. Um I know that one of those things, and this is very important, and this is in the 12 and 12. It didn't show up in the 80 comes of age on page 178. 
It said the Washingtonians permitted politicians and reformers, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, to use the society for their own purposes. Abortion of slavery, for example, was a stormy issue then. <clears throat> but then down further, it said <clears throat> maybe the society could have survived the abort abolition controversy, but it didn't have a chance from the moment it determined to reform America's drinking habit. And that would have sunk us just right down, so we had to stay completely out of that. That's why AA does not have any stance on on uh, drinking or not drinking. All we are is all Alcoholics Anonymous is there for is to help the still suffering alcoholic. And from everything I've learned from other fellowships, it's the same way. That's all they're there for is to help that still suffering person out there suffering from um, whatever malady the fellowship deals with to help them to get better and to live a full and, and, a, and a good life. And it's a spiritual path. And I and that's what I believe. And it's one thing that we can do is we can uh, we can destroy all that by getting ourselves all involved in public controversy because then we're inviting everybody into it and we can get in, in such a mess. And it doesn't take very long. With the media we have today, everything is available so fast and so worldwide that it could really um, drag us down a seriously uh, dangerous road. There is another there's another pamphlet which I would highly recommend to people who are involved, really want to know about the traditions. I won't get into this one uh, too much today, but it's got some fantastic things by Bill and and how these things all came to be and it's and it's it's pamphlet P seventeen and it's called AA Tradition, How It Developed by Bill W. And uh, it's really got some fantastic information in there on the traditions. It gives you, uh, it gives us all a, a greater insight into it. And it's available, actually. You can read it. You can get it online at AA, um, AA.org. And you can go to literature and click and then go down to, uh, like, pamphlets and then click and then go find the pamphlet that you want and click on it and you'll, you'll run up AA Tradition, How It Developed by Bill W. And it's got fantastic stuff in there to read and it can get really lengthy but I tell you what, I love it. I, I love learning about this. And it tells you where a lot of this came from and uh, you know, like in 1947 one of the topics was danger in linking AA to other projects. <clears throat> This is what they were talking about back then. We're still talking about it. Another item that can be very helpful comes from the grapevine in Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's called a Traditions Checklist. And this is kind of like an inventory of where we stand with the traditions. And I'll just run you out some of the questions that they have on this one, on Tradition 10, just for you to see what it, what it can be like and where it can lead to some terrific discussion within a group or within a district or just with a few people. It says, uh, Tradition 10, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA may never be gone into public controversy. Okay, one, do I ever give the impression that there really is an AA opinion on anti-abuse, tranquilizers, doctors, psychiatrists, churches, hospitals, jails, alcohol, the federal or state government, legalizing marijuana, vitamins, Al-Anon, Alatine, Boy, that covers about anything I'd want to start bringing up. I have to be very careful how I do that. If I do talk about that stuff, how I'm doing it. Two, can I honestly share my own personal experience concerning any of those without giving the impression I am stating the AA opinion? Three, what in AA history gave rise to our 10th tradition? I just read that. Four, have I had a similar experience in my own AA life? And I have. Um, <clears throat> there was a few things that we got tried to get tied into, and when I was a um, a delegate, and we had to we had to step around some of those, and and some of those were occurring in a in a, in a history book that was trying to be published, and had been trying to publish it for several years, had a lot of money invested in it, but there was a lot of things in there that would have led it into a into a real mess had they accepted it and published it as an AA history book. 
because it it said it led into some things that AA doesn't want to be in and made some statements about countries and people and, and different things that that AA would never think of saying, but this was put into the book by the people writing it and I feel very um, I was very happy when it all got voted down. No matter how much money was sunk into it, it was voted down and not put out there uh, for everybody to read as what AA has to say on those things. Um, <clears throat> what would AA do without this tradition? Where would I be? I think sunk I would be. Do I preach this or any of its supporting traditions in a subtle, perhaps unconscious way? And I tried very much not to do that, but I know that I've had my inventory taken by a, by a few people and they pointed out things where I needed to back off and I needed to reevaluate how I was approaching certain things. And the last one was, how can I manifest the spirit of this tradition in my personal life outside AA and inside AA? And for me, it's I have to keep it very simple for me and keep it down to, you know, is it for me in AA, I have to keep it down to that. I know in the other fellowships it's the same way. There are times when things come up that are controversial and cause upheaval in groups and in, in uh, fellowships. And uh, Robert was just talking about one of those. And um, how this is going to work out, God knows. But in the meantime, the rest of us have to work our way through it. And that I hope we can do, everybody in all of the fellowships can work through all of these things in the spirit of trying to be here for the people who are still suffering and dying from this rather than trying to impose something on a bunch of people, you know, uh, we have to find the clearest path to make sure it stays around. Okay, I'm going to unmute everybody, and we're going to kick this open for discussion. And hang on just one moment. Got to read what I need to do here. I think... Okay, I got to start... One more time. Unmuted. Okay, the lady said all callers are unmuted. So if anybody has a a point or a question or is unhappy or whatever, please speak up now. I just wanted to put my two cents in when the Cleveland clarification statement was brought into the discussion. I was at the 1999 Cleveland uh, Convention, and I was impressed by the expression of unanimity. In other words, they all had voted, discussed, and came up in agreement to the statement that's published in the book. And also know, uh, having been around since 1989, uh, the very vigorous and spirited uh, discussions prior to that conclusion. And uh, I think this tradition certainly is, uh, relative to that one issue, uh, the most powerful uh, response so that we can protect uh, the unity of our fellowship. <laughs> Wow, thank you for that information. Uh, yeah, hi, hi, this is Lawrence M. Uh, hi, um, appreciate that comment. I was in Cleveland also when that was passed, and uh, it was a lot of wordsmithing going on about how to word the, that statement, the legal heterosexual. And one guy who gave up to uh, marriage between a man and a woman. And uh, it was a conference that Roy Kay didn't attend. And uh, I remember he said later that one one of his few you know, regrets was that he waited two years to put that in the book. Uh, that um, the debate that came up after that afterwards that it was unanimous um, was very, you know, destructive. But the fact that it was unanimous really impressed him. And uh, anyway, it did get in in 01. He put that statement in there. I was a bit confused, I must say, but um, 
earlier discussion, um, um, I also thought that uh, when the survey was conducted in the in the early 90s, that it was pretty much overwhelmingly in support of traditional uh, stand on society, including. Um, well, it wasn't. There was no wording about uh, same-sex marriage, but um, I'm not sure what uh, um, survey Robert was talking about. But, um, I don't remember. That was. I can't remember the wording, but uh, this was overwhelmingly worked. And I, as I thought, so was Cleveland. Cleveland was unanimous, <laughs> and. Um, Anyway, that was my thought when I was listening to the discussion. And, uh, uh, Bob, I very much appreciate your um, uh, insights and wisdom and background and all of this on the traditions. I think they're really, it's a really great talk, and I'm getting a lot out of it. I'll stop saying thanks. So thank you. You know, something you just said there is that when this, when this was discussed before, it was it was a it was a unanimous decision to do it. Right? Is that correct? The statement was passed unanimously by the delegates. Yes. Yes. So what? And the, yeah, and the trustees, I believe, also voted that day. So that goes that goes even beyond substantial unanimity. It, it, it's unanimous. Right. Everybody was in agreement and. If things are ever to change, it's going to have to be discussed at length for a long time with some, uh, you know, everybody trying to maintain themselves in a reasonable manner, in a spiritual manner to discuss that thing. And however that comes out is going to have to be up to the, the group conscience of SA as a whole. And, uh, I, I just know that, um, it's going to be, a, it, it would be quite a thing. And I just, in the short time that I've been around the FA, I've heard about it about oh three or four coming up, and uh, and I just recently heard about it, and you know that's why I knew exactly what page to go to in the service manual about the three fourths, and and it's it's something that is that is uh, one thing is that we always have to fall back on is what's our real purpose for being here. And, and, and I know in AA, our real purpose is to be there to help the still suffering alcoholic that comes through the door. And I believe that's the, that's the full intention and, and want of every one of the fellowships is to do that, to help the person suffering from whatever malady they have that this, this fellowship represents, that they want to be there for that. And sometimes we can really, uh, you know, since I, I, unanimous, is, it blows me away that it was flat out unanimous. That is outstanding. But if, you know, it's like Bill said, nothing touched in stone, that it might take quite a while for such a change to come about. And I hope it's not destructive to the fellowship. Yeah, it's my understanding from talking to some of the former delegates at that time that who were not in agreement with the Cleveland clarification as it was about to be discussed at that convention, that they were, in fact, asked to resign and, in fact, did resign, which is why they ended up with the unanimity that they did. Ooh. Well, my, my experience is reading needs to be substantiated in, if it's going to be discussed, uh, it has to be uh, a proven fact I think when we get into conversations and 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 some people say this and some people say that, as you well know in our day and age, mailing things down with facts, I think is very, very critical that everyone knows exactly what they're dealing with. And uh and then I'm sure that once all the facts come out then there can be a decision made. As long as we let God guide us. Look okay, at again. I I was at Cleveland Convention, and after the vote has been accomplished, trustees and delegates uh, came together in a meeting open to everybody that wanted to attend, and I was one of the ones that attended. 
And I know going into that convention, there was a lot of controversy and a lot of opinions on both sides of what was going to be accomplished. But I personally heard statements from uh, different members that were there uh, expressing that they had all come to an agreement and voted uh, uh, this idea of pressure uh, making that kind of vote occur. I don't know. Nothing was said about that. Uh, in the meeting when I was present. Right. I was there, too. Yeah, it's, I know I've been involved in a lot of things in the, from the General Service Conference and all through AA, and, and sometimes facts kind of get diluted with discussion, and as things go around, and I think it's very important to rely on the facts. Uh, what there is and then and deal with those because that's where we can get into stuff that I mean we can end up into a a, a real Tommy broke over something that, that might not have happened. If it if it did then we need to deal with it. But I think finding out all the facts and people who were there, you know, testifying to them I think is very important. Okay. I would just throw this in also just on the you know your tradition regarding public controversy. I have found and I have always found that SA's stand on lust, recovery, and the whole bit is, you know, extremely controversial to a lot of people, uh, including professionals, even church people. And um, I think SA, more than any other, is very counter-cultural, and it's... You know, controversial to a lot of people. I think the one thing also, I'll just throw this in, that saves us from the debate is the existence of other S-fellowships that, you know, have their own stand on sexual society. And uh, it's not as though if somebody doesn't agree with ours that they have no place to go. And that's not the case in AA, where if somebody really has a, a problem with, you know, the third uh, you know, tradition, his requirement for membership, or if that was in any way, because, you know, it's excluded. Um, he doesn't have anywhere else to go, and uh, it, it makes a big difference. But in SA, uh, our stand is controversial to a lot of people, and uh, I don't think that just goes for same sex marriage, but for my experience over the years, you know, we lose a lot of people because of our stand on Look, 
let's we're gonna we're gonna table this for tomorrow, and I highly recommend that you all go to your rooms tonight and pray about this and give it some very spiritual thought before we come down tomorrow. And the next day, when everybody showed up down there in the room and we brought them, this topic came back up. It was settled in just a few minutes, and it was with uh, substantial unanimity. I was impressed. I was impressed. <clears throat> Sometimes you got to get your teeth out of the issue before you can say a prayer. Bob, did you kill in Nashville? Yeah. Um, I like to apply the traditions in my daily life. And the way I apply the tense conditions particularly involves doing a lot of keeping my mouth shut when other people are involving themselves in controversial things. And I don't know if the spiritual um, principle embodied in the sense that there's something like mind my own business or not. But what is your experience applying the spiritual principle of the tense tradition in your life, personally? Well, thank you for that question. Um, one of them that I thought was an impossible task that I first heard about was when Bill Wilson talked about restraint of tongue and pen. That was Dr. Bob, wasn't it? As far as I knew, it was Bill. Oh, okay. Sorry, I don't know. Well, I, I can stand corrected. I'll pray for you, but I can be corrected. But uh, if it was Dr. Bob, please let me know, Steve. Uh, I... Then I've been quoting it wrong for a long time. It's in the step, it's in step 10 and it's hard to do. I was saying it's not in 10. Step 10. It's going to be okay. Thanks, Laura. But regardless of where it came from, I found it very difficult. And, and restraint and has been is difficult, and it's caused me to have to pray many times. And in my own, and in my own, uh, in my living my life, I've, I've had to do this, especially when I've been at, uh, like a district or the area or the general service conference. And there's been times that I've had to actually bow my head and pray while somebody was talking because they stirred up in me some animosity, some agitation. And excuse me, and I was incapable of hearing what they had to say. And I know, I know for a fact that it's very important that I listen to what everybody has to say. I have to hear it so that I know what they said and, and make a decision on it, rather than just let my, my arrogance and my temper run away with me. And for a guy like me, when I used to be, I was extremely violent and volatile. And today, to be able to sit and listen to people and, and, and stop and pray if I have to. And, and well, I'll tell you what, that has helped me so much in, uh, getting along with others and, Sometimes it's not. I don't have to have my way. I can state my feelings about it and my and how I how I understand it. And then when when it comes down to the end, it's what I have to live. You know, I can't change everybody else. And sometimes when I've had to stop and pray and I actually listen to others, I've been able to actually change my mind. That was a huge thing for me. Has been many times. I brought up a, an issue and put it on the table. And within just a few minutes of somebody else discussing it, you know, I just said, you're right. And they thought I set them up. But it wasn't that. I just, I saw what they were talking about. It was a much better way to go. And I agreed with them. That's only because of the principles taught to me in Alcoholics Anonymous and, and especially uh, being involved in the uh, in the group and in the district in the area and the general service conference, all of it. Uh, being able to discuss things with people, and that's, and it, it applies outside my life, outside of the, outside of my AA life, and in, in other places that I can sit and listen to people, and I don't have to jump in and try to change them, which is something I always try to do. It has made my life so much easier to get along with people, and and I don't have to confront every issue. A lot of it's none of my business. It's, I love what these principles have given me. That's it. Did somebody run it down and sit there? I have not found it yet. I found out why I got confused. It's because of that, the Dr. Bob's last talk, but he doesn't use that phrase. He says, guard that airy member of the tongue. And so that's not the wording. 
But I always think of uh, uh, Dr. Bob when I hear that phrase, and so um, I've just gotten confused, apparently. Yeah, I think one of his greatest, one of the greatest things I heard Dr. Bob say was, let's avoid getting all mixed up in all kinds of uh, Freudian complexes and things that might be of interest to the scientific mind. Let's just keep it simple. Let's, Let's stick with what we've got. And I see that that applies in every fellowship. You know, and, and all of them. And boy, we can get into those things and just tear each other up. But these, these traditions, the name of my home group, by the way, is the traditions group. That's the one I came into when I first sobered up. And the reason that it was called the traditions group is they got in a fight with another group and left it. They took the podium with them. And they started another group, and I happened to walk into that when I was about a year old. And uh, it's been the traditions group, and consequently, we talk a lot about traditions. We bring them forth, and a lot of people get a, an opportunity to try to understand them a little better. And uh, they have been such a boon to me, because the, the 36 principles of Alcoholics Anonymous, the steps, traditions, and, and uh, concepts, have been nothing but a boon to me and showed me how to live and and live with others and treat all of God's children in a respectful manner. Thomas, uh, restrain a tongue and hand. Is it, sir? Is it Bill Wilson that's credited with writing the 12 and 12? Where is it? I'm looking at step 10 and I can't find it. I see a lot on self-restraint. Well, on page 91, there's nothing page like restraint of tongue and hand. Okay, little Nothing pays off like restraint of tongue and pen. Yes, that's on page 91 of the 12 and 12 on step 10. Okay, I found it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I would... <clears throat> that's where I... That's where I first saw it. And it blew me away. I'd never tried it. <laughs> I had a little more restraint of pen because I didn't like to write. <laughs> I've got the uh, um, uh, the two things that Dr. Bob said in his last talk uh, you know love and service he's talking love and service and then said let us also remember to guard that airy member of the tongue and if we must use it let's use it with kindness and consideration and tolerance so I'm grateful for the uh, uh, getting straightened out there um, I do I do think of this as as Perhaps Dr. Bob's influence on Bill, uh, but, but uh, I, I'd like me to get confused uh, again if I. I think I think I'll remember now. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thanks everybody for that. I just know that I'm still amazed on a regular basis <clears throat> as who God chose to present these twelve steps programs, this twelve step program, to. and uh, it's just amazing. And I know my, my wife's one sponsor tells her all the time that God draws straight lines with crooked pencils. And <laughs> I know that he still does. Anybody else have something? Bob, it's Tim. Yeah. Um, your pamphlet, How AA Traditions Developed, all of those great vine articles are reprinted in language of the heart. And so everything that's in there, if you've already got language of the heart, you've already got everything that's in how AA traditions as well. Yep. Yep, you do. <clears throat> I just, this, this pamphlet is, yeah, if you got that uh, language of the heart, it's there. Because that's what all these were taken from. Do you have page numbers, Tim? Uh, no, I, well, I can pull them out, but they're basically, okay, the entire first section. Yeah, and it's... I uh, yeah, uh, pages, um, pages uh, 76 through 92. Okay. Is, is the whole pamphlet, uh, these are all, all of that, or is this selections from it? No, those are each of the 12 traditions in order. Three or three yeah. Yeah, from yeah, December 47 I'm, to November 48. Yeah, I'm looking at the table of contents right now. Um, yeah, thanks. And that is exactly everything that's included in that pamphlet? Um, 
I don't know if the pamphlet has all of them, but the pamphlet is these good by an article. Okay. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> I just was throwing that out there because <clears throat> not everybody has a language at heart, and you can pull this one up, this pamphlet, up on the uh, Internet if you want to. In fact, all of the pamphlets from A&E. Mm-hmm. And you can read them on there or look through them. I have a friend who told me this morning his little three things were silent by his sponsors through every single AA campus there is. <laughs> it's only hip hop. Well, I got to do that when I was first in AA, and, and uh, they put me in charge of opening the group, and for a while there, there was a bunch of them had gotten drunk and some had left town, and <clears throat> I was opening the group by myself. I've read the big book several times already. I started reading all the literature, and I read everything that was in the rack at that time. We've got quite a few more now, but it was really helpful to me. It's amazing how God works things out. We can go down to the uh, central office here in Atlanta, and for, uh, I believe it's $13, buy the uh, group handbook, uh, which is a three-ring binder, and it has every pamphlet that AA puts out in it. Yep. There's a lot of information available in there. Well, I, I had it, but I I'm not finding it. But I found it. Well, I've got not all of them are printed. They're just in various places right now. Now I've expanded my reading to stuff from another fellowship. Does anybody else have anything? I just want to say I, I really got a lot out of this. I need to and I I need to drop off. Thank you for everybody for sharing and for leading this part. I really got a lot out of it. Thanks. Thank you, Thank you for the all. Sorry. Great discussion, all. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Robert. God bless. Thanks, Robert. Bye. Well, thank you, everybody, for attending. I really appreciate it. What an opportunity. I just love doing this. I said, you know, I'm reading this. I wasn't talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love talking about traditions and hearing about them and other people's, other people's interpretation of them and experience with them, especially. That's really good. And I thank you guys again for this opportunity. Well, thank you, Bob. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.